0: still waiting for them. "'Wife,' said the farmer, leading his son to her, "'take him to you. He is very unhappy.' Jan never mentioned the girl from Arles again, but he loved her still, more even since they had proved to him she had lain in the arms of another. Sometimes he would pass whole days sitting alone in a corner. Other times he would go out onto the land and do furiously by himself the work of ten labourers. In the evening he would take the road to Arles and walk on and on until he saw the slender steeples of the town rising against the sunset. Then he would turn back. Never did he go any further. Seeing him like this, always sad and alone, the people at the farm did not know what to do. They began to dread some disaster. Once, during dinner, his mother looked at him, her eyes full of tears, and said, "'All right, listen, Jan.' If you still want her, you shall have her. His father flushed and looked down, overcome by the shame of it. Jan shook his head and went out. From that day, his attitude changed. He pretended to be always cheerful in order to reassure his parents. He was seen again at dances, in taverns, at bull brandings. His father kept saying, He's got over it. The mother still had her forebodings and watched her boy more than ever, "'Jan slept with his younger brother, quite near the silkworm rearing-house. "'The poor old woman had made a bed for herself next to their room. "'The silkworms might need her in the night. "'Then came the feast of St Elwa, patron of farmers. "'Great rejoicings at the farm! "'There was Chateau Neuf for everybody, and mulled wine flowed like water. "'Fireworks followed, bonfires in the yard, and coloured lanterns hung on all the trees. "'Everybody danced the Farandal until they dropped.' Jan himself actually looked happy. He danced with his mother. The poor woman wept for joy. At midnight they went to bed. Everybody was ready to fall asleep on their feet. Everybody except Jan. His younger brother told later that all night Jan lay sobbing. Yes, he was still taking it very badly, poor lad. Next day, at dawn, his mother heard somebody pass through her room, running. She knew at once something was wrong. "'Jan, is that you?' Jan does not reply. He is already on the stairs. Quickly, the mother gets up. "'Jan, where are you going?' He goes up to the loft. She follows him. "'Jan, my boy, answer me. What are you doing?' She gropes for the latch, her old hands trembling. A window opening, a body falling onto the paving stones of the yard, and all is over. The poor boy had said to himself, "'I love her too much.' I am going to go away from it all. Ah, what misery the human heart can bear! But there is one burden too heavy for it, to realise we cannot stop loving the woman we have come to despise. That morning the people of the village wondered who was crying out so up at Estev's farm. There in the yard, in front of the dew-covered, blood-covered stone table, the mother, naked from her bed, was crying for her child. Lying dead in her arms
1: Tobamori. It was a chill, rain-washed afternoon of a late August day, that indefinite season when partridges are still in security, or cold storage, and there is nothing to hunt, unless one is bounded on the north by the Bristol Channel, in which case one may lawfully gallop after fat red stags. Lady Blemley's house-party was not bounded on the north by the Bristol Channel, hence "'there was a full gathering of her guests round the tea-table on this particular afternoon, "'and in spite of the blankness of the season and the triteness of the occasion, "'there was no trace in the company of that fatigued restlessness, "'which means a dread of the pianola and a subdued hankering for auction bridge. "'The undisguised, open-mouthed attention of the entire party— was fixed on the homely negative personality of Mr. Cornelius.